Welcome to the Home Matters Podcast. I'm Randy Brock. And I'm Ethan Kasky. And we are the Whiteman Brock Real Estate Advisors. Rod and Lynn Whiteman are also on the team. They're taking a break today, not able to join us, and we miss them. Um, but we are going to be talking with Tyrell Clark, the mayor of the city of Iota, coming up shortly. But we've got a quick uh, real estate update for you first. Ethan, how are things shaping up? Things are shaping up good. We're flying a little bit solo today. We are. And everyone's kind of excited for now. I I know time doesn't matter, but while we are recording this, we're all getting kind of uh, excited and maybe not so excited for some big, heavy snow. For some big, heavy snow, yeah. Coming our way. That gets in the way of fishing. (laughs) It very much does. It gets in the way of fishing. But then again, my wife and son who snowboarded ski, they're excited. Yeah, yeah. I was talking to a buddy of mine. He's super excited about the snow. So there you go. There's our Minnesota story about the weather. Looks like it's getting exciting. (laughs) I went and uh, listened to the CEO of Fastenal talk when I was in college, and he said that in Minnesota, you need to have four hobbies, one for each of the seasons. Um, Good point. Yeah. So in winter, if you've got a winter hobby, the snow becomes a little bit more exciting. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and that's the one thing that I don't really have much of. Speaking of being like a Minnesotan, I don't ice fish, but at least Mm. down here in southeast Minnesota, you can trout fish, which I do, but that does get kind of hard to do in January and February. I found out your feet get very cold. Yes, I was going to say, you found out that if you're out there for a while, you got to have yep. the right gear. And even then, you're going to get pretty cold. Yeah, it's part of the experience. It is. So while yeah. people are out there getting chilled and while we have snow plows going, houses are still selling. Mm-hmm. The market's still moving. Yep. Things are different now. But how are, the, uh, how are the numbers looking for us right now? All right. So we have... Uh, what is this week? It's the week of the uh, 20th of yeah, February. Yeah, just to put a bookmark on it. We're talking here in the third week of February. Yep. Um, so we have 105 single-family listings, not contingent on inspection, um, uh, with the average price of uh, $672,314. Um, we talked about last week that the actives right now are a little skewed because our inventory is kind of small. So the numbers that I usually look at in the morning are the pending stuff, what's actually moving. And yeah. uh, we have 120 pending listings uh, with an average price of $423,179. So right now, yeah. we have more pending listings than we do active listings. Yes, we do. So single family, if yeah. you're just talking with somebody who's thinking about listing their home, that's a good reminder, even mm-hmm. if days on market are a little bit longer. Houses are still selling. And they're not crazy long. In the pending category, we have 42.8 for average days on market, which it's not 14 days, but, I mean, you're still. I think across the price ranges, you're looking at about 30 to 45 days is usually the average. Yeah, so these are the actual. Ethan, you hit the nail on the head with the decimal point, too. I mean, this is the exact. These are the exact numbers from the Association of Realtors that have come out. So we're not making up anything here. (laughs) 43 days on market is nowhere near the average days on market from, let's say, like 2010 or 2011. So when Mm. people are reading some pretty dramatic headlines, that's a good kind of sobering message that it's okay. (laughs) Yep. <laughs> Things are different now than they were in May of 2022. We're not heading towards a huge crash. No. Um, and I think what you said is a good point, too, is we have more pending listings than active listings, which means things are moving and things are selling. Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah. In, in my experience working with buyers in the last couple of months, what's fascinating is that, you, you know, in one case where I was out looking at a house with a buyer and it had been on the market for 22 or 23 days, 
we ended up in multiple offers. So just mm-hmm. because something is out there for three weeks, four weeks, that's not a crazy amount of time. You might be able to do some negotiating, yeah. but maybe not as much as you would hope, especially when you're talking about competing with other buyers. Well, the old uh, real estate, um, I don't know, mantra was the longer the house is on the market, the less leveraging power you have in negotiating it when the days on market start to creep up there. Um, but it's very possible that a house there's multiple buyers at the same time that come across that house. So maybe they weren't looking when the house first came on the market. Yeah. So, um, And it's funny, what happens at about that three-week mark is that's usually when you start to see some price adjustments. Mm-hmm. And price adjustments, some people look at that as the seller and they think, oh my goodness, well, people are going to think something's wrong with it. But the reality is on the buyer side of it, buyers are like, oh, this is great. They've mm-hmm. come down in price. And then you've got a new wave of people who are going to look at that listing. Mm-hmm. And you're driving up the desirability and the marketability of your home when you do make that price adjustment. Mm-hmm. Well, it hits the uh, inboxes of the people that are watching the market very consistently. Again, yeah, uh, when your house point. goes active, you get an email. And then if you're watching that house and there's a price reduction, it'll hit that inbox again, bringing it up to the forefront of people's attention. Yeah. I got a note from somebody this last weekend that said, hey, we'd like to go look at this house. I'll just say this house in a few days. It was, I think, maybe the only house in Rochester that was underneath 150000 mm-hmm. And I went and I looked at the info on the listing. And this was at a sun, on a Sunday. I'm looking at it. And the deadline for offers had been the previous day. So that's one of those signs, too, is that if the price is right, if they're low, there's still some pretty hefty competition. Yeah. 105 active listings mm-hmm. is not <laughs> quite where we'd want to be. No, um, especially when you look at the price ranges and we're very top heavy as far as uh, most of the listings are much above um, 700,000. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, Which not you've got a much smaller buyer pool. Yeah. And they're, and they're out there those. too looking, but uh, they, you have more options. Uh, but that uh, 300 to 500,000, that's constantly cycling. I've been watching that on the market and uh, right. those houses are moving. Yeah. And you made a good point in our last podcast too, is that you might only have 10 houses to look at, but it's a different 10 mm-hmm. every, almost every few days. Yeah. Yeah. The deck is constantly getting shuffled. So even though the numbers are low, you know, got 150 pending homes or however many it is and 105 mm-hmm. active, that means that what's out there active is selling, mm-hmm. which is good. So today I kind of wanted to talk about uh, coming soon in the marketing process for someone who's listing their house. Yeah. Um, two, the last two years, the typical marketing plan for a house was, I want to sell my house. Cool. We'll take photos of it. We'll get you through all the information. We'll walk through the process. We're going to set it coming soon. Um, it's going to go live on a Thursday and we're going to sell it on a Saturday. That's right. how that's how it always happened. And you get to schedule all of your showings there and then offers are due. Um, today, that's not the case, as we talked about with the days on market. You have 30 to 40 days and we're starting to see less coming soons. Um, I tend to land in the camp of I'm very pro coming soon um, as far as a listing yeah. strategy. But I was interested to hear your thoughts on what the pros and cons might be of that. My goodness. I, I still I, I'm in the pro camp, too, because I think it just it gives you an on ramp if you are listing and if we're working with you as the seller it's nice to have that i don't like to go too long i don't like to do a coming you can do a coming soon up to 21 days mm-hmm. and preferably five 
five, six days maybe. Yep. Uh, any longer than that, and I think that the anxiety and the anticipation starts to build up a little bit too much, but it mm-hmm. depends on how you know, you as the seller can handle that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are not necessarily going to get uh, 15 to 30 showing requests piling up in that time anymore. Right. But in my opinion, it's still good. You get more visibility, and it gives you time to mentally adjust into marketing mode. Mm-hmm. So long story short, pro, con, if it gets a little bit too long and you are really, really hoping and putting a lot of eggs in that basket of getting many, many showing requests before the listing goes live, I say then, let's just go live right? instead of that coming soon period. Because we want you to be less stressed out through right. the whole process. Well, that's the goal is that you can get through the home buying process as easily as possible. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. And one of the things that I see with the coming soon is going back to the price reductions thing is it hits your email boxes one more time. So I have a lot of searches set up um, that track different parts of the market in Rochester. And when something goes coming soon, you see it hits your mailbox. And then when it goes active, you see it hit your mailbox again. Yes. So it's two gets in front of people's faces again. And going directly in front of the faces of people who are more than likely qualified buyers mm-hmm. and have been looking for a while and are ready. Mm-hmm. They're ready to make a move. Another reason why the coming soon is going to be better, in my opinion, is because everybody's schedule is going to more easily line up. Well, mm-hmm. you know, we are always willing and able to show a house to our clients, but let's say between the client and the agent and the seller, when you have more time to plan, it's a little bit easier to fit that appointment in right. and and find a spot. And let's say you've got one of the, you know, lower price point homes that you want to sell and it's going to sell maybe in multiples because it's a lower price, it's very well put together. It gives everybody more time to plan, and it's going to get more people in your house. Oh yeah, for sure. And uh, I mean, I mean, like tonight, if a house went live, we people have their plans already set up. But maybe on Friday, Friday's wide open, and we can go look at houses then. Yeah, exactly. And you know, we try not to in this podcast get too specific about the time we're talking about. But this might be a good example of why to plan your coming soon, and then to have some flexibility. If there's a blizzard that's about to move in, push it out a little bit. Yeah. You know, maybe don't go live on the day where you're going to get a foot, foot and a half of snow. Snowmageddon's coming in. Right. (laughs) When you're aware of these things, it's sort of like we know which day it's going to be Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. We know what day the Super Bowl is going to be. Those Mm -hmm. aren't maybe the best days to go live on the market. Mm -hmm. Give yourself some time to plan. Yeah. Very much. All right. I think that that's good. For our market update, any other thoughts? I don't think so. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, We have an excellent interview with our friend Tyrell Clark. He's the mayor of Yoda and offers a great perspective on what it's like living in a small town, being from a small town, Mm -hmm. and uh, what it's like being on the city council and and, uh, being the mayor. Yeah, it was a great conversation. Hi, everyone. It is uh, me and Ethan today and our special guest, special guest, Tyrell Clark. Tyrell is the mayor of Iota, and I'm really, I don't know if you knew this or not, but you're actually the second mayor we've had on the podcast. I, sorry if, I, if you felt Second misled. best? <laughs> Take it. You're, you're the best, man. Um, so thank you for being here today, Tyrell. Happy to be here. Yeah, we're going to talk about could work out. your business as mayor. 
and uh, learn more about you. So let's just kick it off like that. Uh, where I, I'm pretty sure you grew up locally. Did you grow up right here in southeast Minnesota? Yeah, I grew up southeast Minnesota um, initially, uh, raised up on a farm just outside Dover. And then around when I was 10, I moved to Yoda and I never left. I've been there for 30 years. Been here for 30 years. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. And so you've been 30 years in the town of Yoda. In the town of Yoda. Yep. Uh, I grew up on the south side, um, south of railroad tracks, and now I live on the north side, north of railroad tracks. Nice. Yeah. Which in a town like Yoda, that's blocks. <laughs> it's not. It's mile, mile and a half. <laughs> a mile and yeah, a half apart. Yeah. Um, so tell me about this farm, too. Did you do a lot of work, or were you out of no. there before you had to start um, doing all the work on so, the farm? So as a 200-acre farm... Um, that my dad ran. Then he passed away when I was about four or five. So then it was rented out, about 190 of it. Uh, so I never actually did any farm labor on that farm. Uh, later on in life, I've helped with farm labor, but uh, when I was, my mom wasn't pushing me that hard at 10. So Yeah, when you were 10 years old. Yeah. And was this like crops or animals? Uh, or? Yeah, so both of those. Uh, it was a lot of crops, and then um, when I was there, and you know, uh, my dad was big into sheep and cattle was his two big things. But later on, when we were renting out the barns, there was uh, chickens and pigs as well. So, so you could run a petting zoo. Could <laughs> yeah 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 get some peacocks too. So <laughs> everybody could. who knows you in Iota knows that you are a pretty avid runner. I try. Um, I'm going to tie this back to the your background. So you've got two brothers. I got two brothers. Yep, uh, older brother Dorn, and then a younger brother Logan. I actually have an older sister as well. But yeah. Okay. With your brothers. I mean, all three of you, and and, and probably your sister as well. There's some a pretty big history of you all being athletes. Yeah. Yeah. My uh, my younger brother. Um, he was a professional mixed martial artist. He fought all over the world, including Japan and Norway. Um, one of his first fights, in he fought in the UFC once and then in a lower division that they uh, owned at the time. But he fought on Miramar uh, Marine Force Base no way. in uh, San Diego, and he could only bring four guests. So I was one of his guests. Oh, nice. It was, it was one of the coolest uh, experiences, and it helped he won. Uh, one of the he coolest. did. Yeah, he was undefeated in the UFC. He only no fought way. once. <laughs> That's awesome. Do it See, once and get out. Yeah. And I was leading you a bit there because yeah. I knew that, but I didn't know that yeah. nugget. Yeah, he was undefeated in the UFC. Uh, he, he, I think he was one and two in the lower division or something like that. And then he went off on his own and kind of got got paid right. uh, in some of the other uh, ones. But, yeah, that's, that's my younger brother, Logan. And now he... Uh, he is a teacher at Dover Yoda teaching English, which is probably way harder than uh, fighting. And he uh, runs a farm where he actually has those animals we were just talking about. Is it the same farm or a different a farm? Different farm. Different farm. Yep, okay. different farm. Different farm. But happens to be right on a trout stream. Uh, or is it different? It's a different farm. It's a different one now. He, uh, Ori- over in Orion Township, okay. he bought a farm, 80 acres. Uh, working on homesteading that, and uh, I think he's got 40 head of beef cattle, a couple goats to keep the grass down, and some chickens. But he's really into vegetable farming. Runs a CSA, so nice. That's kind of that's kind of Logan, that athlete. Right. So he's a busy dude. And then your older brother, Doran. Yeah. 
And he's he's the uh, magnificent runner. He is a crazy good runner. Uh, I tell people he runs marathons. So he's like, oh, I, I run marathons. I'm like, but, but he's really fast. <laughs> They're like, well, I'm pretty quick. I'm like, well, he's like, he runs in two hours and 36 minutes. And that's 545 splits. <laughs> and some of us are hoping to do that in a half marathon and be happy with it. Yes. yes. He's doing the full marathon. He's doing, yeah. He, uh... He didn't really realize he was a great uh, marathon runner until later on in life. I think he was about 35 when he ran his first marathon. He uh, he ran in college, but later on he figured out that he could run fast for a long time. Um, if you ask him, the, uh, the the trick is is just putting in a lot of miles in a week and um, also being genetically gifted. Sure. <laughs> and so, you are a runner as well, a good runner. Um, good. Very humble about See, it, too. He good. Could, great. There's a difference. Yeah, well, <laughs> he's, Doran is, he's next level. Uh-huh. But, uh-huh. you know, you're like, hey, let's go for a run sometime. Yeah. And you're like, what, Randy, is your pace? And I'm like, hey, you know, 9 to 10. Perfect. You're way down there in the well, run seven. Well, you know, we're not supposed to compare ourselves to each other. Yeah, right. I, <laughs> yeah I probably run. Good my, runner. My training runs are usually seven, seven and a half. Yeah. 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 And you've, for a long time, been very active in IOTA. You've put together the 5K and the, the yep. city run there. Well, I kind of inherited the 5K Yep. yep. Uh, from uh, another running coach. I now coach cross-country in IOTA. Uh, so I did that my first season. I'll do it again. with And uh, the cross-country coach wanted to pass on the 5K during IOTA days, so I took that on. And then we started a color run for the kids, and that exploded way more than the yeah turns out lots of people want to do color runs not so many people want to run 5ks yeah <laughs> well the color run has a unique balance of it's not very competitive and you're just out there to run exactly the 5K. It's, and and we make ours even shorter it's like a mile and a half so it's like perfect for 10 year olds and, oh that's awesome um, that's really what it's about is just people having fun enjoying it uh and so i, I really enjoy doing that sort of stuff um and you know wrapping it into like being the mayor it's really part of the community you know, part of it is infrastructure and part of it's programming. And I enjoy both of it. Yeah. So. And how about your kids? When you're putting together those events and you're around for Yoda days, are, are your kids taking part in all that too? Or are they um, running around? It depends. Some of them yeah. do, some of them don't. Uh, my youngest, Hazel, wants to be involved in everything. Uh, she's got the whole fear of missing out, so she does everything I do. My boys really don't care. <laughs> They're teenage boys. Right. Yeah, yeah, I think you can relate. <laughs> I have a hard time getting my teenager out of the basement for, you know, dinner. So I can yeah. relate. Yeah. yeah. Nice. So with events like that and the activity of the community, you've been a member of EOTA now, as you said, for a member of the community for 30 years. When did you get that nudge to be like, hey, I'm going to run for mayor? Well, I was pretty... I was pretty young when I first got involved. I uh, had bought a house. I bought a house at 20, which, you know, for the realtors here, like if Yeah, that's it, rare. It's rare, uh, but it also allowed me to do a lot of things. It was amazing. Uh, the house I got was not in very good shape, but the back of it was backed up to a park. Uh, and so I had been, I rehabbed it, brought it up, uh, and I was living in it with my, at that time, a small family in a small house. And we had the park in our backyard. And I'm like, ah, it'd be nice to be on the park board. Uh, You know, I live so close. I see everything going on. Um, It will get me involved in something in the community. So I did that. Uh, I was involved in the park board. And after being on there for about a year, I'm like, you know, if I really want to make a difference in parks and in the community, 
I need to actually be voting uh, with, you know, where the money's made, where the money's sure. uh, not made, but, you know, spent. Yeah. And where the decisions are made. Well, we're just like asking for things. They're deciding. So I decided I wanted to be one of those deciders. Uh, and I lucky enough uh, won. I don't know if I actually had competition for that race. Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah, I actually beat somebody. Nice. Uh, and I was... Uh, 27, I think, 20, when I did I was that. just about to ask how old were you. Yeah, I think I was 27 when I did that. And then I was on city council for two years, and then I'm like, oh, the mayor's retiring. Why not? Sure. <laughs> so I, I ran for that. Uh, I did have somebody that ran against me as well, um, and I beat him. I think I had 74% of the vote, nice. which was like, you know, for a 29-year-old... It was great. I mean, uh, it, it showed. I think the only way I could do that is from growing up in community and people having a lot of trust in me. Sure. Um, and then I did that for six years before I ran for uh, state office. Uh, I lost that run, but so then I was off city council for uh, two years, and then I ran for city council again uh, because um, I just uh, for me it's always been important. I always planned on coming back. Um, and then uh, this last uh, term I ran for mayor because uh, I think if you really want to um, have the community that you think is best, you really need to uh, put the most effort into it. And I got the opportunity to uh, serve as mayor. Yeah. So, so when you look back at your time as a mayor, what mm -hmm. are some of the things that stick out to you as like, we did that and it's a great accomplishment? Yeah, I mean, it, there's, you know, there's so many there's so many things you can like point to. Uh, one of the things I talk about is uh, when I first started, we did a healthcare assessment. We, we, the old outgoing mayor really wanted to have a Mayo Clinic uh, clinic in the community. Like sure. St. Charles has one, not Mayo, but it's Olmstead County. Uh, Plainview has one, Chatfield has Olmstead County. And we're like, well, why doesn't Yoda? So we did this healthcare assessment. Mayo didn't fly. They're like, no, we already got your, your customer base. They're already coming here. Mm -hmm. We don't really see this as a growth opportunity. But when we did it, we also uh, pulled people to be like, hey, what else do you need for healthcare needs? Dentists, do you need a dentist? Do you need a chiropractor? Is there, uh, you know, is there other things in the community that we do need? And from that uh, survey we did, we actually took those data results after we didn't get what we were actually looking for, and we recruited a dentist to come to town, and we recruited a chiropractor to come to town. So, like, that's one of the things that I think is uh, really important is, you know, looking at your your opportunity, what you're going for, but then pivoting. You know, it's I think uh, that ability to adapt and pivot, and you know, bringing the dentist to town was a really big deal because now we have that dentist employees six or seven people full-time. Uh, they are as busy as they can be. They're uh, about a year ago, they were looking to expand. I don't know if they still are, but uh, it really, and then at the same time, you're getting people to go into the dentist that didn't want to travel to Rochester that maybe haven't been to the dentist for five or six years. Yeah. And really, a d dent dentist is healthcare. I mean, that's- Absolutely. And, and sometimes yeah. that's some of their, you know, they do, uh, cancer checks on you. Sometimes that's your first line of healthcare. That's your first uh, 
uh, conversation with a provider. So it really is, uh, it's really a, that's one of the prouder things I am of helping, uh, helping happen. And then another big thing is we had, I got a Facebook message from a friend who's like, hey Tyrell, I do in-home daycare. I'd really like to start a center. We need another center in town. How do we get this started? So I hooked it up with our EDA director and they worked on uh, creating a business plan, I think from an uh, organization here in Rochester. That um, And now they have a, it's a Little Eagles Daycare. They, uh, I think they staff 15 full-time people. Wow. They uh, have 40, uh, way over 40. It must be 60, 70 kids that go there full-time. Um, so it's like, Project that like that that I really love, but at the same time I love putting in a, a path in our park. You yeah, know? you know it all it all comes together. Well, and when you look at one of the elements that you know we have had to talk about this in the past as to what keeps people in a small town, other than just their love of that small town, and mm-hmm. you have to have those services. Yeah, if if you can't provide uh, daycare for families, they they can't stay there, uh, and you can't, and it's really a feeder system. If you can't uh, provide daycare, then the families can't stay there. And if they can't stay there, then they can't enroll in the schools. And if they can't enroll in the schools, the schools can't get the funding. Yeah. So if you really want to have a full-service community, a community that's growing uh, and maturing, you need to have those services that people need on a day-to-day uh, basis. And you've got a uh, super convenient grocery store. Yeah, that was another thing. So um, one of... Uh, an old mayor, Al Schumann was his name. Uh, he, he developed a large portion of the southern portion. Um, and he was actually my neighbor growing up from when I was 10 until I moved out of my mom's nice. house. Great neighbor. He put up with us. Uh, we were a little rambunctious. We came from the country into the town. So, you know, you're not quite used to Wrestlers it. Wrestlers and runners. Wrestlers and runners and just, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, everything, chaos in between. Anyway. So Al, it was really important for Al to have a grocery store. So he ended up starting it, um, and his after he passed away, um, his kids took it over. They did not sign up to be grocers, but uh, they uh, did take it over for a number of years and ran it until um, we were able to help them find a new grocer, um, Bennett's, out of Plainview. Actually mm-hmm. expanded into Yoda. They bought it and took it over, and um, it's a great little grocery store. That's uh, that really has done well for our community, uh, yeah. and and I'm really happy they came, and I, I hope they are too. And now uh, one of my sons is employed there, so nice. Yeah, and uh, we lost a bank, uh, Bremer Bank left our community, but Foresight Bank is actually going to go into the grocery store, um, and that's where that's they're going right. to kind of grow from that location. So it's really, you know, everything's related. Um, but without having that grocery store, maybe Bennett's wouldn't have the opportunity to grow there. Yeah. Um, and so it, it, it's really, I think, well, those things are really important for your community. And things are always bound to change. By of the course. way, side note, you know, I think I might be wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure that Yoda had a skate park we did. before, was it before Rochester? Um, I don't know if it was before Rochester or not. It was. It was pretty close. It was. It was pretty close. Yeah. It was one of those things that adapted. They put in a. Uh, they put in a big park, and they wanted to have. They were worried that the basketball players 
their boom boxes were too loud. You know, when you want used to walk around oh, yeah. the boom box? <laughs> so they put them out in the middle of the field. <laughs> and nobody went to that, that, uh, that uh, basketball court. And then it was, uh, it was one of those pivots that were like, hey, that basketball court, had some uh, ramps and we could have a skate park. So nice. they pivoted and then when I was on the park board, um, we figured out that it didn't take much more to expand it and Lanesboro was getting rid of their skate park. So we bought all their equipment and it made it even bigger and it's well one of our best used facilities. That's I, awesome. I know people come from Rochester to it. Um, oh yeah. Um, just cause, uh, I don't know. You know, something well, different. Oh, it's there. Yeah, Check it's out a different. new spot. I exactly. would imagine, too, that people yeah. who like to play Frisbee golf. Oh, yeah. I mean, you have. Do you still have? I, we I, still have I, a course. Um, okay. And it's really cool. I, I had a coworker that was on the course who lives in Zimbroda uh, this last summer. I'm like, hey, what are you doing here? And he's like, well, we're uh, we're going from Stewartville to Yoda to St. Charles. We're doing we're doing a, a segment of those three, and it was his day off. Some people go golfing. Some people go Frisbee golfing. Yeah. You know, it's... Uh, it's one of those things, and we're this year. One of our new park board members uh, is really looking at uh, doing some improvements, uh, kind of redesigning it a little bit, optimizing it as the trees have grown and the park's been adapting. Um, that we need to kind of change it slightly, and so we are looking forward to uh, you know just just maturing the course a little bit. Sweet. I hear a lot of people lose their frisbee golf. I think on hole seven or their their disc. So we're going to try to make it so we have less people losing discs. Do you, is there a slough? Is there, there is. Oh, okay. Yes. It, yeah, there is. It's a wetland that yeah. evidently it's hard to uh, drive the whole distance. So a lot of people have been dropping it. And during our Yoda Days Frisbee Golf Tournament, 15 to 20 discs were lost in it. Oh, my. Uh, which the locals probably appreciated when they went back through and found all of them. But <laughs> during a couple the, hundred bucks <laughs> worth of During discs. the tournament, <laughs> yeah. the guys were like, well, can you guys maybe change this course a little bit? Yeah. <laughs> it's not like a golf ball where they come in packs of, like, 18. No. Oh, <laughs> right. yeah. No, yeah. It, yeah. It's, uh, so we're, we're working on it, and that's, that's one of the things, you know. And I think as a government person – you need to really do a, a good job of pivoting and not thinking you have all the right answers at the beginning. Uh, you really just have to learn to adapt and uh, and communicate with people. And there's there's all sorts of smart yeah. people in your community. And I think people have a tendency to maybe, you know, what's the word? Maybe poo-poo, things like that. Mm-hmm. Things that are, you know, frisbee golf course. or But those are the things that keep people in a town because mm-hmm. they're happy. They could, you know, have recreational value yeah. in and a place where they in. live and not just sleep. Yeah. Um, and historically, Yoda has been known as a bedroom community. Uh, we have a large number of Mayo employees and just Rochester employees. Uh, but I think that's been adapting a little bit. We've been working very hard to bring more businesses. And then, you know, Mayo's been adapting with COVID, uh, sending a lot more people home. So I mm-hmm. think we have a lot more people working inside of Yoda now than we have historically because of uh, the, sh- the shift on how people work nice. and the increased number of businesses. Yeah. So when you look at the, um, you were just reelected mayor, mm-hmm. what, in this term is the one thing that stands out, like if I accomplish this, it'll be a successful term as mayor. Is there, um, is there something that you're working hard on right now? Well, I think the 
this isn't a, there's some things you do that are like you really needs to get done. So right now we're in the we're actually uh, have an item going on the ballot to we had Yoda Bremer Bank left our community and they left a building that is a wonderful building located in downtown Yoda um, that we think would make a great uh, long-term uh, new city hall. And so that's one thing that we're working on right now. Um, and it's going to go to the voter ballot. It's not a, you know, it's a four, three, between three hundred and four hundred thousand dollar purchase that I think will set Yoda up long term for growth in that environment for a long time. Do I think that's like the defining moment of what my next two years are going to be? It could be in some lights, but really, I think the more defining moments are when you're actually interacting with people's lives. I mean, that will interact with people's lives, but making sure that you're addressing the needs of the community. Uh, we have street projects, which are sometimes boring for people, but long-term, it makes a big difference. We have a big stormwater project, long-term. Uh, it's a long-term project, but it's gonna happen in the next two years. Uh, and the planning started before I was mayor. So, I mean, I think it's, it's, it's doing that sort of thing uh, but maybe not focusing on just one touchdown, but the overall focus of your community, yeah. I think is really kind of where I am. People ask, like, what's my agenda? Well, my agenda is to be a good mayor, uh, to listen to the community and just adapt and work with people as we go. Yeah, the Fair question agenda. might have been worded a little bit strong on the one thing, but yeah. 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 No, that'll nice. be a good addition. So that's, it's, I think you just kind of nailed the next question that we had in line for you is things, something that's, you know, critically important to a small town, mm -hmm. you being able to communicate with everyone. I'm sure that your city council, you know, everyone on the city council is the same, you oh. know, is caring about the community. But is there something that you see in small town, let's say Minnesota, yep. that is a big struggle, something that you've really got to get your arms around. Yeah. So we, we, I will also say we have a relatively young city council. Um, while I have 10 years of experience on city council, um, we have one new member and then two members that are about at four years, I think, but, okay. uh, each of them. And then we brought back on the old mayor uh, that, oh, I, wow. that I actually ran against. Um, so he, he's coming back with 18 years of experience. So uh, back to your question, sorry. Oh no, like what something, what is something critically important to the health of a small town? Oh yeah, so you know, there's a big difference between governing in Yoda and governing in Rochester. Sure. Granted, I mean, Rochester is 60 times bigger. <laughs> but bigger problems, I'm sure. Bigger problems, I mean, it's, it's you know, their budget's amplified. When you're in small communities, it's very close, very personal. Uh, when somebody's having issues with a neighbor's dog, you hear about it. You, uh, there are so many things that are where in Rochester, you would deal with uh, government officials. While you also deal with government officials in Yoda, you also, you have a very one-on-one -on -one connection with people. So, uh, sorry, going back to the question. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you yeah. feel that you can get more done quicker oh, in yes. Yoda? Oh, yes, 100%. We can move faster. We can get more done. Um, there's uh, really opportunities that you can pivot really quickly uh, into where in Rochester or other communities larger, it would take a longer time to do. Um, and I think you also have to have, uh, yes, we can, 
uh, optimist. Sure. Sometimes um, there might there might be people that you said poo poo on ideas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that that will do that. They'll do that. Um, that. We can't do that. Well, why can't we? Well, we've never done that. Well, why didn't we? Well, I don't know. So let's do it. Let's yeah. give it a try. Um, and there is. Um, Sometimes you fail. Sometimes it does, it's not going to sure. work. But then you adapt. You put a skate park on top of it. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, you uh, you take you, you don't get the clinic, but you get the dentist. You get the chiropractor. You know, so the you, boom boxes never showed up. <laughs> they never showed up. <laughs> I mean, they do now. It's amazing what they do with lithium ion batteries. Oh, the yeah, kids go out right. there with speakers now, but um, you know, you, you adapt. You figure it out. Um, so speaking of those strange phone calls, you might get. That yeah. Maybe that, that Mayor Norton does not get in Rochester. Mm-hmm. What is the strangest thing that Mayor Clark has had to do well, <laughs> to, to take care of something? I, yeah, I, my, the most complaints I get usually involve pets and snow. Pets and snow are kind of oh, yeah. my biggest, uh, the biggest communicator for when uh, other people's pets aren't doing something right or when their street doesn't get plowed, or when there's a new pile of snow in front of their yard. So this isn't snow like the snow that's coming in the store. Oh, well, I'll probably get a phone call on this snow. But yeah, 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 earlier this season, yeah. I, yeah there was a street that was missed, um, and I, oh, went, no. I went and drove it. Uh, it had been plowed earlier in the day, but it snowed all through the day, and they thought they had got it, but they didn't. So I had to make a call, and they came back and got it. I mean, strange calls, um, I... You haven't had to go train a dog or anything like that, necessarily. No, people do need to train their dogs, though. The next two meetings, we have dog bite issues. Oh, from, no. From poorly trained dogs. Yeah. 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 It, it's it's a real deal. It is. It is. And in those senses, you're, you're playing like a semi-judicial role on what's going on with these pets um, and if they can stay or if they have to move away. Right. Um, so we take it pretty serious because, you know, for the neighbors, it's pretty serious. So odd things that I've gotten phone calls. Um, you haven't had to go randomly clean out someone's storm sewer no, or, or no. babysit. I usually hire for people that person. I have gotten calls that hey somebody has a dog they don't know whose it is, and they I came and just picked up this dog. I ended up not turning it into pound. You know Facebook's amazing. Oh yeah. Uh, just put it Find on there it and somebody got I think the dog's name was Harley and it was a for a couple that had just moved to town young couple and. The old dog had walked away and yeah. didn't know where it was because it was a new town. Right. Mm-hmm. But it was at my house, eating <laughs> in the backyard. <laughs> Pulling all your carrots up. Yeah. Well, we want to respect your time. So we have just oh, a, all good. maybe a couple minutes left here. I took but, the day off for you guys. Um, nice. Oh, no, just afternoon. We're special. Um, <laughs> well, we, I have one more question. Oh, you, go you, ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you have worked closely with the Yoda in the political scene. Mm-hmm. Um, for people that have... They love their city, and they've yep. not ever been a part of the politics, but maybe want to. Younger people or people who have lived in the city for a long time. Mm-hmm. What advice would you have for those people? Yeah, no matter what community you're in, um, I encourage people. All, all these communities will have a boards and commissions for a number of things, uh, whether it be an economic development authority, whether it be the planning commission or a park board, or um, some other board that I'm not thinking of. I always encourage people to start there. Uh, start start on one of those boards, learn how the government works, and if you want to continue being involved in it, then move up. It worked for me. I have another city council member. Uh, it worked for them. Uh, 
it's just uh, I was advising uh, somebody that ran for mayor how it's a community that just became a town. Um, Excelsior, is that it? Um, they just had their first election. Sounds and, right. And yeah. they just had their first election last week. And she was running for mayor. She didn't get it, but I'm like, well, I'm sure they have boards. Go, go yeah, join that involved. board. Get involved, and then, um, then you can move up from there. And I, you know, that's what I tell people um, that it's really, uh, it's a really enjoyable experience for me. And it might be you don't enjoy it. <laughs> so, whereas you know, uh, you get elected to city council and you don't enjoy it, you're on there for four years. You don't have a choice. Yeah. <laughs> you ran for that unless you move out of town. Uh, but what, being on one of these other boards, you really get a, a good idea of what it is and, and how you could be involved in your community. Yeah, so. that's awesome. What do you have to say? And it's okay if you don't have much to say on it, but one of the things we're dealing with nationwide, it's the problem that won't go away, affordable housing. Do you think anymore that small towns are the haven for for more affordable housing, or is it becoming difficult there too? Well, I think it depends on the small town you're talking about. I, okay, so I'm glad we're talking about housing. This is a realtor podcast, right? Yeah, you guys are both talk realtors. About some real estate. Yeah. yeah. Um, you don't have quite. Do you have a tagline like Bucky does when he does his Thursday updates? No, we should. <laughs> we should think about that. We've we've talked with Bucky on the podcast before. Yeah, too. He's awesome. I, I love his Thursday. Uh, is Thursday marketplace updates. Um, so it depends on the small town community. So, you know, the closest, closer you are to a large metro area, you know, the, the house prices are already going up. Like Yoda, our housing prices, basically for, you know, a three bedroom house in Yoda, if you want, the lowest we can probably do is 200,000. That's mm -hmm. the entry level to get into Yoda. I mean, it, and, um, but the farther you get out, the more rural you get, that entry level goes down and down. I, I do think in a lot of communities um, south of us, west of us, you know, you get past Elberly, there is a lot, a lot of opportunity for housing that's affordable if you can be in that situation. Sure. If you're yeah. like me and you can work from anywhere and that community has high-speed internet, you could find affordable housing in this community. Now, affordable housing in Yoda, you know, it, it, what's, what's the definition? Uh, it is. Know, it's tough to put that. It's, it's, it's hard. It's hard to do that definition. I know, you know, even apartments are getting uh, uh, hard, hard to uh, afford for people. I know I had an apartment. I have an apartment complex in Chatfield, uh, and... I listed a listing and it was under $700. I listed it on Facebook for two hours and I had to shut it down because I had 10 people that were interested and they were solid people. I ended up having to turn down. It was, it's a teacher that's living in another oh, wow. teacher's basement yeah. because she can't get uh, affordable housing because we just don't have enough stock of, in this case it was apartments. There's not enough stock of apartments. Right. Uh, but it also goes for houses. There's not enough stock of houses. And the ones that were lower cost are no longer there. Um, that house that I bought 20 years ago when I graduated high school, I bought it for 60-some thousand, and it's only 850 square feet, and now sells for 180,000. Two-bedroom, 180 
fifty, eight hundred and fifty square feet. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it's like kind of remarkable. It's it's remarkable where the price is right now. So you know, I think we as communities need to do um, some looking at what makes new housing unaffordable. Are we making our streets too wide? Um, uh, I know, like we've seen a lot of growth in townhomes. You know, th- I think there was a, like ten years there where people were like, oh, I don't want to live in a townhome. Now they're realizing t- there's a lot of opportunities in townhomes in shared infrastructure. Yeah. Um, on my personal street, we're gonna ha- we have 16 townhomes coming in, but at the same time, they're still gonna be $300,000 a piece. Right. So, yep. Uh, and and not to get into political, but interest rates do impact that as well. You know, your oh, buying absolutely. power. You guys yep. know this. Your buying mm-hmm. power isn't what it was before. It's not. What you could have bought for a $300,000 house. Um, for the, you know, your monthly payment is now what a $200,000 house was for monthly payments. Or so. if one sheet of plywood changes your budget, mm-hmm. that's tough. I mean, yeah. yeah. And it goes full circle because when people are building those houses, often they have to take out those loans to be able to afford all exactly. the materials. So. Yep. You got to have yeah. construction loans. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a challenging one for everybody out so, there right now. You know, as does affordable housing still exist? Um, I think the farther you get from a metro area, you can find an existing housing stock if you can afford to live there and if it's the right fit for you. Um, I think we as communities still need to do a good job of figuring out how to bring down the cost of housing um, and, and you know, look at long-term benefits. Uh, smaller lots. Mm-hmm. I think we need to look at smaller lots because uh, the smaller lot you have, the more house you can put on there long, you know, skinny lots, and then more houses you can put on a street. And yeah. that's a big price cost in going into um, houses, is how much infrastructure you need for that house. Um, and we don't even have to get into apartment buildings. Oh, yeah, or a <laughs> yeah. place, you know, like you lived in Winona. I even. lived in Winona, yep. Yep, and my son's in Minneapolis, and the density of living there is, is very different than what we're used to here. Yeah, and the Winona market's a lot different. I lived there when I went to college, and most of Winona, in the city of Winona, is rentals for students. So, yep, yep. Um, that changes things. Yep. And oftentimes when we sit down with a buyer and talk about market pricing, if you're looking for the market to change from Rochester prices, you kind of have to get up to the St. Charles, Chatfield yep, area. Yep, exactly. Yep, you um, have to get farther. Yep, you have to get farther away. Almost mm-hmm. out of Olmstead County. Mm-hmm. Well, I would say out of Olmstead County. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing against Olmstead County. Nothing against, I love it. Yeah, I, just I, it's been good for me, but yeah, the farther you get from Rochester, if if you can do do the commute, if you're or if you don't have a commute, even better. Yeah. Um, you know, those communities can I, you know, in Yoda we have uh, we have two high speed carriers. One of them has fi- fiber to every home in our town. So whatever speed you need, we have for mm-hmm. you. And I think I think St. Charles or Chatfield, I think they're both in the same situation where they have the speed, but there's some communities that don't quite have that speed yet um, for those opportunities. So it's okay. there. It's it's it, there. I, there's no magic bullet. There right. isn't. Yeah. Um, it's it's hard work, and I think we need creative minds to continue to think about how we can adapt and figure out how to bring more affordability to our communities, including housing. Um, I also think we have a lot of boomers in houses that are made for families that haven't had, 
had um, a chance to downsize yet because they they want to stay in their community, but there isn't something there for them. Right, which they is, don't have a place to go. Which is what I think townhomes can really do. My mom is in a five-bedroom house right now. It's two of them. Yeah, right. <laughs> there is no reason for her to be in a five-bedroom house besides, you know, when we have Christmas at our house. That's right. <laughs> and people are quick to blame the boomers for that. And I know you weren't, mm-hmm. but no. part of that problem is that they don't have a place to go. Yeah. We look at a lot of the Elton Hills houses here in Rochester, and it's like, well, the house is paid for. And if I mm-hmm. go anywhere, it's going to cost me way more to live there than my property taxes yep. do. So. Yep. yep, exactly. And so, like, if my mom could downsize from that five-bedroom house and go into that townhome without mm-hmm. taking on additional debt, then that would be optimal. Yeah. Um, and she loves gardening, so you know maybe some of those HOAs won't let you have gardening, but then you also need to have community gardens for somebody like that, or you mm-hmm. need to have that activity. Right. Whatever it is, you have to think about that. As a community, uh, what are these things that people need, the services side, to make sure that they can yeah. still do what they love? So Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, that's all the time we've got. Awesome. Tyrell, thank you so much for being here today. Yeah. Really appreciate um, it. Ethan and Randy, I really appreciate the opportunity. I always love talking Yoda, love talking housing. Just it's all it's all fun for me. Yeah, it's 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 a lot of it's not work. Well, thank you. <laughs> we really appreciate it. Yeah, Ethan, yeah. good to see you. Yes, good to see you as well. All right, we'll be back in a couple of weeks.